Kyle, I say Kiel. I'm so literal when I read, but it's obviously not. No, it's not. Please introduce both yourself. Of, both of those are wrong. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. After all we've been through as well. I know, man. It's I'm Kyle. so sorry. <laughs> it's what? Sorry. It's, it's K-Y-L-E. <laughs> well, that's what I, I mean. This is what I, I was being literal. It's like Kiel. What is no, it's Kiel. Oh, you're so dramatic. Can you put like an accent on your name or something? Like break it up. Kyle. Okay, I'll, put a, I'll put a hyphen in there for you. Yes, please. So it's Kyle. Please introduce yourself, Kyle. Uh, I'm Kyle Smith-Bino. What do you do, please? I act, I write, I um, do a lot of cleaning. Hi, I'm Lolly Adafope and I'm a comedian and actor. Before I start talking about everything, what do you mean you keep, you're cleaning, you're constantly cleaning? No, I've recently moved out, as I keep telling everyone, and um, I've realised that you're like 75% of your day is just cleaning surfaces. Oh, okay. Is this leaving mum and dad's home or parents' home? Yeah, yeah, I leave my mum's. Oh, you're a big man now. I didn't realise that that is what happens. The things that your mother would have said to you, like, can you clean up, can you clean up, can you clean up, you now realise that she wasn't just chatting fraff. The thing is, I didn't have that much to clean then. It was just like, it's just a kitchen, isn't it? And then everything else is like covered in plastic. But here, <laughs> it's like non-stop. Lolly, when did you leave home? I left home when I was 22. Mm-hmm. And then I moved back when I was 25, I think. And then I moved out again when I was 26. What was your biggest like shocker about moving out of home? I think I was just so desperate to move out that everything was so exciting. <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't even mind the cleaning <laughs> because I'm <was> so <laughs> happy to get out, I think. I and I was like thinking. young and just wanted to like stay out late and then not have to wake people up when I got back. Being by yourself now, this is grown up business. So as your career progresses, you're living by yourself, maybe the stage that you're both at now, what has been the biggest revelation in your career journeys thus far? I think for me, it was... Um when things were on that I wasn't aware of. Mm. Because like when I started out, anything that I was in or that I was on, I was like, this is on tonight at this time and I want to watch it and make sure that everyone's watching it. And then there was like a certain, like the more you do it, the more you're like, oh yeah, there's that thing that I'm on, yeah, yeah, fine. And you might watch it, you might not. Or you maybe you've seen it at a screening or whatever. But then when things are on that you don't know about, so someone's like, oh, I just saw you on a channel. And you're like, Mm. oh, what was it? That was when I was like, oh, this is really working out. And I think being part of the industry, the longer that we do it, we start to take it for granted. And someone said it to me maybe like two or three years ago. I think it was Kobe, Kobe Adam. And he said to me, like, what we're doing is mad. We grew up watching TV, us watching people and enjoying it in the comfort of our own homes. And whether we wanted to do it at that stage or not, it's like a massive thing because it's like, it's TV. And there's someone else across the other side of the world can be watching it. And now that we're doing it, it's a massive achievement. And I, sometimes you have to remember that because the more you do it, you sort of like become like, oh yeah, that's just the thing that I do. That's just my job. I think it's maybe like a combination of two things. It's kind of like what Kyle said. It's like when it just sort of starts to become like your daily life. Mm. And I think also like maybe when you have to get up early for filming or something and you're like a bit grumpy about it and then you're like, oh, this is just normal. This isn't the glitz and glamour that I thought it was. This is just like, oh, this is my job and this is my career. And it's sometimes boring, just like any other job is. Or maybe not boring, but like, you know, it's tiring. And then also if you go on social media and someone's like complaining about not having a TV show or like not getting something recommissioned, you're like, mm. 
okay, wow, this is actually a very niche <laughs> part of the community of the world that we're in, that like, that is our gripe at the moment, to not have a TV show. Sometimes it's like a good thing of being like, wow, I'm doing this thing and it's, it's amazing. And also sometimes it's like, this is just ridiculous in every way. I really, really, really feel you on that. Being in this industry, it can make you feel like you're in an isolated bubble because it's everything to us. You can step outside of it. People are like, yeah, well, actually, stuff's going on. I'm, you know, I'm just going down to my local pub or yeah. I was watching, you know, you're complaining about not having a show. Are you all right? I don't have a job or something like that. The, mm. the magnitude of it. When did you guys discover you're funny? I never set out to do comedy. When I went to drama school and then I did um, Whitechapel, that was the first thing I did when I came out of drama school. And I was like, this is great. Also, I was like, I've made it. And then like, didn't work for like a year. And in that time, I started to do more and more YouTube stuff. Like people were doing it, my friends like Don't Jealous Me and uh, Hamza and all those people were like doing YouTube stuff and just asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. So I was just doing that just to sort of get my name out there. And, and that was sort of how I fell into it, I guess. I was just like, oh, this is easy and everyone's doing it quite often because people mm. are putting out videos like quite a lot. And then I just did more and more and then did my own. I did Come Down With Man in like 2012. Mm. Yeah, and then like some TV people saw some stuff and then I started doing more comedy and I've never did a drama since. So I guess what I'm saying is that I <laughs> <laughs> wanted to be a drama actor, but I was terrible. Were you terrible or was it just that you found you funny? I don't know. No, to be honest, I mean, I'd love to like go back to drama and obviously I love doing comedy. and It's really fun. I mean, I only did like one day on that drama, but I had to sort of like cry in a cold room mm. and it's not as much fun as playing around and trying to make each other laugh and like doing silly things so I, I'm definitely glad that I found the funny but if there's anyone out there who wants to put me in a horse <laughs> for a period drama then I'll do it. Fair enough we'll put it into the universe. What about you Lily? I think well I always wanted to do comedy I didn't really know what kind of job that entailed but I just knew that I wanted to be in comedies and be in funny tv shows and I used to watch a lot of Catherine Tate mm. and just like sketch character people. And I was like, that, I just want to like do accents all day. So I just sort of like did that when I was younger. And I didn't, I never did like impressions, but I just sort of like did funny voices. And I think that's basically like what being a character comedian is, is just like doing funny voices. So I just sort of did that one from my sort of t early teens. And then was trying to work out like, okay, how does this actually work as a job? I get what acting is. That's like something that people know about. But like being like a comic or being like a comic actor doesn't really seem like a well-trodden path to do. Mm. So I went to Edinburgh, went to the Edinburgh Festival, watched lots of stuff, worked out where those people were hanging out in London, basically like stalked those buildings for a bit and then started doing open mic gig mm. and then Edinburgh shows and then got into acting through there. You said you were like a comedic, comedy actor. How did, is that how you define what you do? Specifically. Um, as in that's like when I was younger, that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know yeah. what it was. I, yeah, I just like, yeah. watched people like Catherine Tate and Olivia Coleman and was like, okay, they seem to be just sort of like very funny actors. It seems like something slightly separate from acting, even though obviously like Olivia Coleman is on an Oscar now. It, it seemed like there was like this slightly separate group of just Robert Webb and David Mitchell and these people who were just like making funny things all the time. And then now I would just, now I've done like acting. So I would just say like, I'm a comedian and an actor, I suppose. But at the time I didn't really know what the job was or what it was called. And did any of you, did you guys, guys have any reservations or any trepidation about venturing into this space being black actors? And it's not about being black actors in the whole suffering woe is me, but it's just even just think about opportunities of being able to do it and get the roles that you, because I think you both have had some roles and some pretty great projects 
that maybe i mean kyle you did say that you did the drama then there was nothing for a bit then you had to do the ugb stuff and then go into getting booked again did you feel like it, this is impossible even though you wanted to do it i think i was like this is the only thing that i want to do and mm. i don't know what else i'm going to do if it doesn't work out i just kind of like shoved down any trepidation about it because i was just like well i don't know what else i'm gonna do <laughs> i don't think i felt like because i'm black it might be harder i think i'm more even though that is true I think I personally felt like I watched lots of white men and I was like, well, I'm much funnier than you. So I'm sure this, <laughs> this can work. Yeah. And I feel like comedy is kind of a meritocracy in some ways. Obviously going to Oxbridge and like being in the footlights helps you. But I think if you're very funny, then people will learn about you and you can sure. always like go up and do a gig. Whereas like there are a million amazing actors in the world who never get discovered. But I think with comedy, I just felt like, well, I just have to write some stuff and perform it and then someone will see it. And if it's bad, then it's bad. But if it's good, then it'll be better than a lot of the stuff that's out there. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's fair. You've got, to have your, you've got to have the confidence and the belief behind yeah. it. Otherwise, Kaya, what would you say? Similar to Lolly, I was like, well, I mean, this is all I can do. Mm. Um, for me, it was either that or continue my music career, which was like mediocre at best. Um, and I think um, that like... Sorry, music as in rapper or singer? Yeah, or, yeah. Or... When I was a Gram MC. Um, okay. <laughs> and I think that, like, I mean, because my mum was like, you've got to have a backup plan. And I was like, mum, my backup plan's grime. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the, the one thing that I did notice was that, like, someone said to me before I left drama school, uh, an older black actor was like, on British television, because he was talking to me about America, and this was before I even left drama school, mm. it was like, go to America. And when I was sort of like inquiring as to why, he said that in this country at the, t at the time, and this was true, was young black men on the television in dramas are either the ones being shot or doing the shooting mm -hmm. or being stabbed or doing the stabbing or uh, being the drug dealers, or you might get a, a token black police officer. And I was like, really, is that true? And then my first job was the one that I spoke about, Whitechapel, and my brother had been shot by the police and I was mm. going in to give a statement about it. And I was like, wow, I guess there really are limits. That was 10 years ago and it's come mm. so far since then. Um, so that now we've, we're actually playing just normal roles. It doesn't have to be the, like the perpetrator or the, those sort of archetype, oh, the black guy can play that. But mm. I do think that um, comedy allows you to be so much more. And I didn't know that at the time. And I think that that was why I sort of loved doing the YouTube sort of stuff because mm. I could just be anyone and it doesn't have to suit what I look like. I can just play anyone and people are just like, oh yeah, well, I'll just believe that that guy's a Italian chef, for example. Yeah, so I think that like, I found that there were limitations in acting, but I, I found comedy open more doors. That's kind of the same as me. I've, I've always thought that, even though it is very true that black British actors get a lot more opportunities when they go to the US, I think that comedy is like a much smaller industry. Comedians are like very connected anyway in the UK, I think, or at least in London they are. A lot of us know each other and gig together and it's like a much more communal thing, whereas acting is more like a solo endeavour that you go and do your job, silly with people that you know or whatever. Even though black British people can, more opportunities in the US, I feel like with comedy, you can make your own opportunities. And so the fact that things are more limited in the UK isn't quite as applicable to comedy because you're writing your own stuff, you're making your own stuff. You're like a lot more in control of the stuff that you're putting out. Even like you can get to a very high level and not have to be 
interacting with directors, producers. You can be the best comedian in the world and you're basically just doing your own thing all the time. You're still like writing your own stuff. You're not really surrendering to the system of the industry. Obviously you're both in Ghosts and that's, you know, BBC comedy, half period, half modern drama because obviously the Ghosts are set in a certain time. And then Kyle, your character's in the present day. What was it about, the, about Ghosts that made you say, okay, yeah, this is a project we can get behind? Apart from the flouncy dress, I'm, I want to wear flouncy dresses. If I was going to be an actress, I'd love yeah, to wear yeah. it, you know. Do you not, no, do you hate it? Well, I have to wear a corset every day. Sexy. Yeah, and then, and then about six layers of dress. So it's very heavy. Oh, please don't kill my fantasy. But anyway, <laughs> but yeah, what was it about Ghost that made you guys say, yeah, man, this is it? For me, it was, because Lolly was already part of the project before I joined. And I think it was like slightly different before the series version. Yeah, sort of. For me, it was just like reading something that was so naturalistic in the way that it was written and so close to like, when I see young couples written on TV, a lot of the time I'm like, would they speak like that? Do people speak like that? Mm. Is that real? Do people speak to their wives or girlfriends like this? Or And um, there were a lot of things that I had seen, not that I had like, scripts coming in non-stop but I mean there were a lot of things that I had seen that I just didn't really believe it and when I read this I was like this is so well written I could see myself doing this and it is it felt quite close to me in character Mike is the closest character that I've played to myself not with the haunting but he's sort of just goes with the flow and he sees what happens and he sort of just goes with it and yeah the character just really jumped out to me I was like I need this I think it's probably the hardest I've worked at any audition Oh, wow. Ever, because I was just like, yeah, I've got to have it. it would break my heart to see someone else doing this. Yeah. <laughs> How about you, Lolly? I was a big fan of all of the guys anyway. I'd just done a show with Jim Howick, who plays Pat, and then he said, like, oh, we're working on this new show called Ghosts. Originally, it was going to be that we all play loads of different ghosts and the house is kind of just totally filled with loads of these different characters. Even though that's not what's happened now, that drew me in as well because it was just, just quite fun to play, like, a completely different person. I do like it when it's like, OK, this is someone who's similar to me and I, like, I feel like I can do this. But sometimes I'm like, this is too close to me and <laughs> I don't know where, where, like, the acting begins and the reality ends. So with... The character of Kitty, I was just like, this is like a chance to just be so stupid and ridiculous, which is why I wanted to get into comedy in the first place. Be silly. It's a lucky thing to be able to get a script and then like look through the lines and be like, okay, how can I make everyone laugh the most yeah. every day? Mm. And she does. <laughs> I was literally going to say, Kitty is really silly. And then speaking to, obviously you're a comedian, but I don't get silly vibes from you. So how did you define her character traits? Was it that she was silly on paper or did you decide, actually, this is my chance to do something outside of what I normally get to do and play with her? Um, yeah, I think it was a bit of both. The characters that I do, I think maybe now the kind of acting I do is not that silly, but the characters that I did in my Edinburgh shows and stuff were always trying to be quite silly and quite stupid. Yeah. And then when we did the taster, we were talking through what Katie would be like. And I think the original plan that they had was that she was just gonna basically going to be like really, really stupid and naive, <laughs> but like her main character trait would be that she was quite stupid. Part of me thought, I don't want to be really stupid all the time because I think <laughs> that will like wear thin. And also I was like, I'm the only black person in this production so I don't want to be the stupid one maybe she can just be really like, sweet instead of I mean she, she is still stupid but like, she's like a teenager so why wouldn't she be um and she's like very sheltered most comedy characters I think are unlikable in some way and, and they're kind of like anti-heroes and that's why we're like drawn to them but I just thought it'd be quite funny to just have someone who's so nice and not in an annoying way and I was kind of thinking about 
Kenneth from 30 Rock, who's like the guy who shows everyone around NBC, yeah. loves television so much. And it's and I was just like, that's so funny to have someone who's just like constantly happy and yeah. is annoying. And I was like, okay, that's the kind of thing that I want to channel through because I feel like that's slightly more interesting than just being, what? <laughs> I mean, I, and I, I hear what you're saying about not, it's that pressure of being the black character in the room and making sure that they, you know, they don't embarrass the race. Mm. Obviously, it's not your responsibility to speak for us all, but you will be criticised. Yeah, but I had the opportunity, so I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, if I can change this, then why Yeah, not? she does. She's that kind of nice, silly ditzy that's like, oh, you're so sweet. And you, mm. yeah, and I, she made me laugh. And, and Kyle, you literally answered it for me because I was going to ask how... I th- see that Mike is similar to you. I feel like he's chilled, goes with the flow. Mm-hmm. That's literally within my question. And I was going to say, how do you bring to life a character that's so similar to yourself and maintain that? Because I, I'm not an actor, so the ways that you keep yourself in character, but then they're so close to you that you might fall into mm-hmm. being you. Like, how do you separate that kind of blurred line? Or is it um, a challenge at all? It is a challenge, but I think also for me, it was just that the couple are very similar in their sort of sense of humour, their tone, their sort of jokes with each other. The challenge for me was someone who's, <laughs> one, had a long relationship, and two, I always see them as Mike and Alison. Yeah. I'm never really just like, it's just Mike. It's sort of like Mike and Alison together. And I think that they, especially you'll see in series two, there's a lot of them sort of covering for each other and working together quite a lot. And I think in the first series they were quite um separated because obviously Alison had this accident that Mike didn't really believe at the beginning then she had to prove it to him then mm. they had to start working on the house and he was doing different stuff and she was doing other bit and I think in the in series two they come together quite a lot more and they're more, much more of a team and I think that that was the sort of um was what I was trying to channel to be like it's us against the world and you can bounce Kyle can bounce off Charlotte which I can I can imagine yes yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So were you guys surprised at the success? And was there a moment during the whole, when the season, when you're like, ah, this is working. People are reacting and this is actually, we're onto a good thing here. I knew that the guys had a lot, had a big fan base anyway, Mm. from uh, Horrible Histories and Yonderland and Bill. So I knew that it would be well received. But I, I mean, I don't think that any of us could have been prepared for how big it was and sort of like the fandom on Twitter and on Instagram and online in general everyone just really loves it and I've I don't know about you Lolly but I've had a lot of like families come up to me or like yeah older um people say that they watch it with their family or that Mm. like it's the only thing that their whole family can watch together it should have won a BAFTA oh well it should it was like the biggest comedy on iPlayer above like when Fleabag was out that was the thing that I was like whoa Mm. I sort of, when we were doing it, I thought, like, this is really good. And Tom, who directs it, makes things look amazing. And it was, like, quite a big jump from the taster to the to series one in terms of, like, the vibe and the style. And when you, like, see little bits on the, on the camera, you're like, there's some things that you do where you're like, this is going to be great, and then it gets <laughs> cancelled. But with Ghost, I think I was like, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, mean, I can't imagine someone not liking this. So I was going to ask, actually, just as an aside, because sometimes when you're watching something and you're like, what, didn't these actors know this was going to be a crock of shit before? I mean, um, obviously you can't just walk off sets, I'm done with it. I mean, some people might. <laughs> but in hindsight, or when it's gone live, you're just like, yeah, mate. Sometimes I wonder the decisions, what's going through actors' mind when you're doing something and you're like, this is so wrong. Look good on paper, but this execution is not going to work. And then you have to roll with the punches and f- deal with the feedback. Have you ever? I, one think, of the, I think actors probably know at the time that it's not. Yeah. Really, if it's not their project, they're just sort of like, I'm just going to get my check and. 
and go. Have you, have you ever been mm. in that situation? You don't have to reveal the name. You can if you want, but you don't have to. I have. I think I've been in stuff where I've thought, this is not going to be as big as they think it is. Mm. But it's not necessarily bad. But mm. I think like people have been talking about it as if it's going to be, I don't know, the Marvel movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> um. I, yeah, I did a thing three years ago. Everyone knew at the time was either going to be the next best thing or absolute stink up wow and it was a big stink it was oh, whiffing shit. man oh, yeah man. it was bad and at the time i mean i won't say the name but i will say it was a game show on channel four okay was on very quickly and then off straight away <laughs> but it was bad man but like at the time it was sort of like this could go either way but there is something in knowing the potential to go either way is it's a bit exciting but mm. also it's very daunting because yeah. it could be known for being so bad and that could be um, a legacy. But, exactly. <laughs> if you're playing a role it, it's quite exciting because it's like, ooh, if mm. it's like your project. I mean, I haven't had that, but... Fortunately, only about 300 people watched it, so... <laughs> and it's not on IMDb either, so no one will ever know. Wow. Uh, wow. Okay, didn't even make that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, that was just a segue. It was interesting to know. Um, back to goes. Now, so it's something that I... If it wasn't because you guys were in it, I would have swerved it generally because... It seems to be like a BBC production that's not for me, a black middle-aged woman. It's not that I watch only black things, but I do mostly watch black things or things that I feel resonate with me. And if I'm going to watch something mm. that's in quotes white, it'll be something like Succession or Grey's Anatomy. So how do you guys pick your roles with that in mind that maybe your, your folks won't be watching it? Or do they? Or are you initiating people or con- turn, you know, converting people to watching things that they wouldn't necessarily watch because you're in it or... I don't know. How do you navigate the roles that you pick and stuff like that? I think with comedy, I mean, comedy is very white anyway. Mm. So I feel like if I picked roles based on that, I wouldn't really be worth it very much. <laughs> yeah. um, especially being like from the UK rather than America, there aren't really many black shows. In the last few years, there's been a lot more. I don't know. When I was growing up, at least, there weren't that many UK black shows for young people I don't think for sure um, so I think I just have to go with what is my sense of humor and what I would be like proud to show people mm. even if it's something they wouldn't necessarily have gone to gone to watch themselves I'm glad that you watched it because we were in it yeah that's so, probably why the, the numbers were up <laughs> well literally I think I mean it's a thing because I, I would turn it off I don't I, I struggle with BBC productions when they're like this because if they were tokenized, it irritates me. You know what it's like. I'm probably the same. Like, if I saw an advert for it, I would probably be like, ah, not for me. Mm. But if I read the script, I'd be like, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot of the things that I've done haven't been aimed at people like myself. It's quite rare that things that I've been involved in have been aimed at or targeted at uh, young black men, for example. I mean, Enterprise... Yeah. Uh, is an exception to that and maybe man like Mobian as well mm. but aside from that sort of all the other projects aren't really aimed at my what my demographic is and I think that like what I have tried to do especially with Stath for example both of us were in Stath so that was targeted I mean I don't know about targeted but I think the audience that enjoyed it were definitely the sort of like general channel for white audience that enjoy things like Friday Night Dinner and and I'm not saying that that's just those people that, that like those shows, but I think like mainly it is, like Lodi said, there weren't many shows 
for us to watch growing up that sort that had people like us in from the UK. It was always Moesha or the Parkers or mm-hmm. uh, Sister Sister and all those American things. So I think now when you do actually see if there are black people in the shows on the channels that we watch, you're like, oh great, I'm going to watch that. A lot of my friends, for example, would never have seen stuff if they hadn't if I wasn't in it. Yeah. Um, but they've seen it and they love it despite me being in it. It does give us a bit of a job to sort of try and push it, but also just to see that we're in it. Hopefully it does what it would have done to a younger me, which has made me go, oh, there's like a guy that looks like me and I'll watch it. And, and that's exactly what it's doing. And it also, not to be patronising to our folks, but it's to broaden the watching mindsets of people that are just limited to what they think they have to watch because they're black or they're from the, mm-hmm. whatever group that feels like they need representation. Then you feel like, well, I've got to watch, watch this to tick box that tick box that they're putting us yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Whereas actually watching something like Steph and then enjoying that world mm-hmm. that's not necessarily targeted at the um, black folk specifically then yeah it's, it's just expanding your your arts intake. yeah we also have a ingrained sort of fear that anything that is about us will be watered down sure exactly because we're like well if if bbc done it then it can't be right but i mean i think that n- more and more companies are starting to give people like full control of what and we're, we're seeing that in like I May Destroy You and in um I think in Enterprise as well I mean Kylie yeah. said to his producer Phil Gilbert he's like I want to have 95% black cast and Phil was like yeah great yeah and made it happen and I think slowly that's sort that's starting to happen and hopefully it means that we'll be able to like I don't know what that noise is hopefully we'll be able to like have things that that people can just trust straight away without going like, oh, I think that's going to be, it might be Black Show, but it's going to be BBC Black. Yeah. I, hopefully people watch it and just be like, oh, those are my people, I'm going to watch that. So what would be the ideal show for both of you? Because I think, because I May Destroy You, the pressure for everybody's like, oh, we need an I May Destroy You Part 2 version, 2 comedy version, uh, drama version, period version of that one narrative. However, you know, ideally, I, I want to see a British Black Insecure, Atlanta, um, all the shows, but in our, in our way, with our culture, what would be a perfect show for both of you? Maybe Lolly, go first. Well, the, th- the one thing I always struggle with is, like, even from like doing Edinburgh shows, like working TV, is that I want to make stuff that's very silly and mm. funny, but I don't say that to say I don't want to acknowledge my race and I, I want to distance myself from my race. It's not about that, it's more about the fact that my style is to do stuff that's just very stupid. And so I think a show like that that also doesn't ignore issues of race is basically like my ideal. I'm trying to think of an example. I guess like Atlanta, but I, I mean like African-American culture is so different to something that is comedy and is my sense of humour, which is informed by my race. Like in the way that staff is, it's just, this is a programme that is informed by his heritage, but its aim is to make people laugh loads and to be really silly. And that's the kind of, that's basically the kind of thing I want to make. It's just something that's like weird and odd and doesn't have to be a kind of genre that anyone is necessarily expecting from a black British woman. Yeah, I hear that. In the same way that like Master of None and kind mm. of insecure, like those shows are just kind of like auteurs putting themselves onto camera and saying like, this is who I am and I want you to see who I am. Who would you love to work with? I'd love to work with a guy who directed Atlanta, Hero Murai. Mm-hmm. He directs those music videos and that's the kind of style that I like. Um, cast, I would probably say Kyle. Just me and Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's cool. 
Um, Kyle, same to you. Dream show. There's a thing that I, I've been working on for a few years that like nobody wants to make because it's mad. And um, eventually I will get to do it, no matter if it has to be like my fourth or fifth show or whatever it is mm. like. Eventually I will do it. I won't go into like that, the details, but it, the idea is that everyone can play anything. Everyone's acting out someone else's imagination. When I was in drama school, I noticed that there are a lot of people that could do... I mean, in my drama school, there were probably like, there were seven black people in a year of 60 or something like that. And by the time that we finished third year, there were five of us. There were so many things. We were all so versatile and we were all able to like play all of these different parts, which is fine in drama school or in theatre, but on TV, you're going to play what you look like. Um, so the idea for my thing was that everyone can play anything. Men can play women, young people can play old people, like children, whatever it was. In the same way that in my drama school, like we would just improvise everyone's anything so that would be the aim for me that there's a show where you can have a full black cast playing i don't know a greek family for example yeah or whatever it is it's just like it's not because of what they look like it's because of these people believe this thing so yeah that's sort of my dream there's a bit in um in miracle workers and i can't remember what episode it is but because it's like set in heaven and everything's like a bit weird so there's an episode where god basically like asks his family for money so he can make a new planet and then his brother is played by Titus Burgess from Kimmy Schmidt. Mm. And his mum's played by Margaret Cho. His dad, I can't remember who his dad is, but it's all just, and like Steve Buscemi is the, is the god. So it's just mm. like the age is completely off. And the, his older sister is this seven-year-old girl or something. <laughs> um, but I just thought, yeah, that, that was like a small mm. example of what you're talking about. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Even though you can have as much extreme fantasy on TV, there's some of that TV that takes away your freedom to imagine I think because mm -hmm. you're set in realism and in theatre I think because that's probably why it works in theatre school and on stage having you know anyone play anything on stage because you mm -hmm. have to have that element of imagination anyway so I think that people find it easier it's hard mm -hmm. to break down those walls on um, TV I think but I haven't watched Miracle Workers I'll check it out well Kyle's gonna break down those walls yes man I'm gonna break them down and watch <laughs> Miracle Workers too sorry yeah. that I haven't seen it yet <laughs> that's the key Dream director, writer, cast? I, d I don't know about director. There's so many people that I love for so many different reasons. Mm. I really love Tom Kingsley. I've worked with him twice and on two completely different things, and I just mm. think he's incredible. And um, I hope that one day he'll do something that I've written, because that mm. would be the dream. Um, but yeah, there's a few other people, like Sebastian Theo, I think is amazing. Alicia McDonald. I'm a big fan of all the people that are in staff and ghosts and like that sort of crossover but there's also other shows as well there's definitely a British comedy scene of mm. our sort of age group that have like familiar faces in mm. and like definitely all of those I mean I love working with Lolly with Katie Wicks Jamie and Tash like Ellie every like I just find everyone so funny mm. and that's and that's what I want to do I just want to like make my thing but also laugh all day that's what I felt like on my like few days I did with doing staff. I was like, "This is just laughing all day." Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ghost yeah. is kind of like that, but Ghost is like more like acting. Whereas staff, I was just like, "This is this is ridiculous." Just <laughs> yeah. Who is the epitome of talent for you? I would say Olivia Coleman. But I, I said that before before she became super famous. I just like enjoyed <laughs> like her steady trajectory of like very funny show after very funny show, and then she did Broadchurch, and I was like, "Whoa." She can act as well. Yeah. And then mm. um, and then she's the favourite and I was like, this is too much now. 
She's um, my queen. She's my queen. <laughs> yeah, and now she's won an Oscar, so she's basically like completed everything. Yeah. Um, so that would be obviously the dream. The first person that comes to mind is Kaluuya. I think like Daniel's incredible and like to see where he started off and where he is now mm. in such a short amount of time is amazing and he deserves all of it because he's like brilliant. And I've always said that I'd love my career to emulate like Mark Strong. He's really good. He's in a lot of stuff and he's not like the Mark Strong film, but he definitely steals all his scenes and he's just like really well respected as an actor. And I think maybe more in the industry than like just people that watch. That would be perfect for me. That was like... And he can walk down the street. Yeah, exactly. And like join Facebook groups. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And sell rugs and stuff. Thank you guys for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. It's really good to see.